Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how you doing? I'm really excited about this. I mean, I just I want to do I want to be the guy who reads the sort of the tease on this. Okay, so okay. A- Anthony Yoon, right? Is that, yes. is that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he has embraced the idea of holistic plastic surgery. Yep. He's the leading expert in looking younger with or without surgery. Yep. Just tweet this right away, guys. Make sure everybody's listening to this. So Gib and uh, Anthony are going to talk about the reason so many doctors emphasize surgeries and how to take care of yourself without surgery, including dietary decisions that help prevent aging and, this is my favorite part, the best Instagram filter you can use to hide the signs of aging. So, Hello! Yeah, so oh, yeah. Dr. Yoon was like, was, his name is in the list of authors of a paper on Instagram filters Come and what they on. do. And so we talk about the effect that selfie culture has on people wanting to get their pictures taken. He even talks about or, uh, wanting to get plastic surgery so they can take better pictures. He even talks about why the that's Kardashians... Real. That's real, right? Oh, it's really real. And that's, like, that's how we start the conversation because I know we talk about that on the show all the time. Um, and how, you know, the, really the Kardashian face is so perfect for selfies. So people are really looking to make themselves look more Kardashian-esque. Um, yes, I know. The, the I look of realization I've, on your face. I is think I've great. seen that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, and, and what I love about him so much is, uh, is that he doesn't, he, surgeons are the jocks of the, of the medical world. They're the guys, you know, right? he even has some terms that he uses, um, uh, heal with the steel and the cut is the cure. Uh, but he really has some great. He had he got some great insight in his practice into why surgery is not always the best route, and and how to how to uh, how to ethically turn people down for surgery and help them find better ways to to feel better. Because he says uh, he says people go in for a facelift, and he looks at them and he says, "Well, you don't need a facelift. You need to stop eating X, Y, and Z." <laughs> Uh, That's gotta be because your skin is your skin is blotchy and red and swollen. <laughs> the facelift isn't going to help with some of the underlying issues that you it's have. Like, does this dress make, look make me look fat? No, your face does that, <laughs> oh, and that's why you don't need to change your dress. You need a new face. But but, but his I, mean, I I just love his approach because it is so different from how surgeons are actually trained to to behave, and that's what he means by holistic uh, a holistic surgeon or modern surgeons because he really approaches it. With all kinds of ways. In fact, we have a little clip um, to play, which is which is him talking about the number one dietary decision that we make that he can see in people's faces right away that ages us more than anything else. I mean, I see patients come into my office, and within literally looking at their face for thirty seconds, Gib, I can tell what type of diet they have, whether they're a smoker, you know, that type of thing, literally by looking at their skin for thirty seconds. That's that's incredible. So there are a few minor things that you can do. I mean in the scheme of things are major what they can do. Um, but for example, reducing the amount of sugar you eat. You know, yeah. I tell my patients sugar equals wrinkles because it increases inflammation in the body. And there are so many people who are addicted to carbs uh-huh. and you can see it in their face because the face quite often is red, it's inflamed. Uh, as we all know that eating a lot of carbs, you know, can cause people to gain weight as well. So reducing the amount of, of sugar that you're eating. And if you're eating carbs, eating healthier carbs, you know, ones with more fiber, like, mm whole grains, that type of thing. So, yeah, so there you have it. So sugar, which we know we, we know is, is, is a really bad thing. So um, I, I, When I was growing up and I'm eating like Lickamade and Snickers bars, I never thought that sugar was going to affect my face. But it know? does. Because yeah. you know what? We, what did you we think talk- it made it longer? Because my face is really long. I think that was genetics. But <laughs> sugar, as People we used t- to call me horsehead at, at, uh, in, in uh, the high school. I think you grew into I, your face hey, is horse, what happened. Horsehead. 
<laughs> I see. I, I see where a, they're coming from. I lift from. a lot of weights. I, I do like the trapezius muscles. Yeah. I mean, I, I lift like 70, 80 pounds every day just trying to get my pencil neck, just trying to get rid of the horse head. I'm looking for a bear head. We've really turned this into oh, a sorry. different kind of... No, no, no. But, Look, uh, let me just say, I see where people got the horse face thing with you. But, but, I think you have grown in to the oh. shape of your head and you clearly do a lot of work on your traps, which does, it does mitigate... The genetically, you, but the, the, by the way, the features that you're talking about being self-conscious about as a, as a, as a kid are exactly why you were such a popular news anchor. Oh you man, had, he just the, turned it around. I no, love this kid. So, but, I love this kid. But you're, you know, I'm saying you've definitely grown into it. But I, I'm saying I see the point. The point that Doctor Yoon yeah, is making. I can't wait for him. Is that damage and aging is inflammation, and sugar causes yeah, inflammation, yeah, yeah. and that is the connection that we all have to remember because we just think of sugar as being uh, bad for us in our in our stomach. But it's actually really bad for us in terms of what it does to our whole body. Yeah. Uh, he's not a fan of keto, but he does like certain keto things. And mm-hmm. you'll hear, hear that in the interview. Really fun conversation. You know, I well, want hey, like, I, I to call uh, his number, make an appointment before we play the interview. Because once we play the interview, I'm not going to be able to get an appointment. Right, right. Because yeah. he's not the number one most popular plastic surgeon in the world right now anyway. Yeah, but right, yeah. yeah right, right. But my, my, what I like is, the best thing about this job is that I get to talk to these people who are just fundamentally smart and interesting and great in their field. And so I, I, I really, really like talking to him about the science of aging and the nature of our psychology around social media because and how we feel about ourselves and our self-esteem. And he really has a lot of insight into By the that. way, I listened to the, uh, the podcast, uh, Andrew, uh, the keto guy. Yes. I listened to that with Connie. He's great. Yeah. He's yeah. tremendous. Yeah. Some- I, I, I learned a bunch of stuff. I, I learned that you know that it's okay to well, let's not talk about it here. Yeah. Can, yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, so the name of this book. Go is, ahead and listen to all of our keto yeah. podcasts. Oh yeah, playing God: The Evolution of a Modern Surgeon. That's the book. Oh, okay, can I do? Uh, can I just do one story before that? Yes, please. So uh, th- I think you'll like this because you've got three kids, and and uh, and now and now you have a. He's not two anymore. He's three. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, apparently, my youngest is now three. Is what John is yeah, saying. Sorry. So. Um, <laughs> I want to be able to connect the dots. There, you know? <laughs> uh, so apparently, uh, um, farmers, you know, who don't—they're not always making a lot of money. Maybe dairy farmers, but they have found a way to make. Uh, a, Penn, Penn State University study showed that that, that uh, last year farmers earned an extra billion dollars. That's a lot with agritainment. So basically, they've put they've put together uh, these uh, places on their farms, right? They, mm-hmm. have big, they have big signs on the highway. And they've put in uh, air cannons. And so people come there, families come there, and they put in apples, onions, corn cobs, and pumpkins. And they shoot them out of these air cannons at, like, uh, wrecked cars and walls and things like yeah. that. This is huge. Well, I, th- I, think it, uh, I think it's indicative of a few things. First of all, <laughs> kudos to the farmers for finding ways to uh, monetize their, their land when, when they're not just growing crops. So g- good job on the business side of things. But secondly, you know, there was... I think a, somebody may have had a cocktail before they came over. Oh, up. <laughs> sure. Some spiced apple cider well, that had fermented yeah, in their, in their silo. In moonshine. Yeah. Go ahead. But uh, the thing is, there was a time in our country when two-thirds of the population worked on a farm. You know, now it's like 5% work on a farm. We are so separated from yeah, where our food comes from right, and, and anything right. other than like going to the grocery store and putting it in our face. That's kind of... That's our relationship to food. Right. I, I think that they're... That they're that this idea of agritainment you couldn't have proposed in you know the 1890s people would have been like no i go to work i don't need agritainment 
But now we kind of want to get back to we want to smell the farm. We want to we want to feel like we put in the we put in the time when it comes to getting to know our food. And we're also we have so much repressed emotion living in cities and stuff yeah. where we just you can't ever express yourself. So the idea of destroying food as it comes out of the land is definitely getting it's it's us trying to tap back into it. And these farmers are brilliant for monetizing it. Try, trying to tap back into something. The just innate in us that we have lost, and I and I'm 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 proud of them. Well, in case you're worried, folks, about being uh, food being wasted, the produce used for ammo is typically produce produce uh, farmers can't sell. It's full of wormholes. So there's, yeah. there's that. But I, I'm pretty sure blow up th- some worms with your uh, 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 the uh, Tibetans uh, might have a problem. With I'm it. pretty sure that every one of my fraternity brothers at Lambda Chi, North Carolina State University has a business doing this. <laughs> oh. Well, why would, I yeah. Just, I just you, imagine, imagine what you could do if you, if you added the moonshine into it and you sold fraternities, <laughs> you know, uh, social packages where in the fall they got to come to your farm out, you know, in rural North Carolina. Come on over, UNC guys. Come on over, Duke frat houses. And and blow some blow off some steam by shooting onions at a car like they they would do that yeah. they're doing it anyway on campus and they're getting fined for it come out here yeah. and pay us yeah I think mean, football games would be great any given yeah. Sunday oh yeah uh, uh, what else was I going to say it was something about the the the, the firing of uh, oh what was the movie where they were firing live cows at people that that was Monty Monty Python. <laughs> Monty Python beat was that thing with the trebuchet. <laughs> they were using a trebuchet to launch yeah, it. Yeah, Run yeah. away! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, know, you normally it would be like you know uh, hot oil and boulders mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You could you just they had cows, and you could just hear moo the cows flying through the air. That's this, right? Yeah, yeah. this uh. is also the same movie where the most aggressive animal in the entire world was a rabbit uh, yeah, that right, would attack right, people's yeah, necks. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it, definitely a historically accurate <laughs> film. Uh, people did not ride around on horses they rode around with their servants clicking coconuts together and that's yeah all right get ready among every, uh, other things you're gonna you're gonna understand you're gonna know now uh, how to prevent aging and the best instagram filter you can use to hide the signs of aging oh man real and, fast it, before that dr yeah. anthony Yoon, but before that uh, our friend a, a word from our friends at weeder artery health and then uh, our interview with dr anthony Yoon, just absolute genius hey it's john tesh here to tell you about weeder artery health If you're concerned about maintaining your heart health, I urge you to check out Weeder Artery Health. It's crucial to maintain healthy and flexible arteries, and that's where Weeder Artery Health comes in. It has clinically researched key ingredients like vitamin K2, which is hard to get enough of from food alone. Weeder Artery Health uses MenaQ7 as the source of vitamin K2. It's been clinically shown to help transport calcium to your bones. Weeder Artery Health also includes an ingredient called Aronia Berry, which improves circulation and helps maintain blood pressure by keeping arteries flexible. Proper blood flow is your lifeline, and I want you to live a long and healthy life. So grab a box of Weeder Artery Health. I get mine at Costco for the best value, and you can too. Or you can visit Weeder.com. Go to Costco.com or Weeder.com for Weeder Artery Health. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Dr. Anthony Yoon, thank you so much for being with us today. I know you're a busy man, so we really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. How? I mean, I don't. You're a you're a plastic surgeon. You're board certified practicing plastic surgeon. How do you? And you do. You've been on our show before. How do you have the time to do all of that stuff and also uh, and also write a book? I joke that I don't golf. <laughs> and I think that's it. Is that that those. Four to five hours that so many doctors spend on the links. I spend writing. 
I spend creating, I spend on social media and making videos and stuff that I enjoy doing. I end up getting my exercise in the evenings after my kids go to bed and mm-hmm. and uh, spend the other quote unquote golf go, doctor golf time uh, doing this stuff. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, as I, I feel like as a plastic surgeon in this day and age, I would be remiss if I didn't if we didn't talk about something we talk about on the radio show all the time. But while I have you here, really get it from uh, from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Are mm-hmm. uh, is our selfie culture? actually influencing the types and the frequency of plastic surgery that people are getting? It is having an incredible influence on it. And I tell you, Gib, I, it's, there is a, uh, I mean, it is a massive influx of young 20-something-year-old, beautiful young men and women right, who come right. to my office who are unhappy with how they look and want to undergo cosmetic procedures to make them look, quote-unquote, better. And I blame it on the selfie culture. I blame it on Hollywood celebrities who post their filtered photographs online. What's happening now is that our young people are undergoing all of these cosmetic procedures in order to try to achieve an appearance that is almost impossible to achieve. And I call it the Kardashianizing of our culture Mm -hmm. because there actually was a study that looked at it. And when you actually look at what young people do to their pictures, they elevate their cheekbones, they make their chin uh, a bit pointier they thin out their cheek hollows and it really ends up looking like a Kardashian. That's why so we have all these. Yeah. We have all these young people who are coming in to get stuff done and they just don't need it. And, and right. it's really disturbing. So how do we, uh, I mean, how do we combat that? Because again, like the, the amount, the cost benefit for people now is obviously such is, is obviously weighted in such a way that a lot of people are making that calculation and deciding that it's worth it to get cosmetic surgery. So how do we start unpacking that? Well, a lot of it does start with the doctor. And so I turn these patients down, but it takes a lot of energy to try to convince somebody who's mm-hmm. 25, who's got a selfie of them they, that they're unhappy with, that they are beautiful and you don't need anything. And unfortunately, a lot of them go to the doctor down the street. Right. Really, I think it comes down to how we raise our children and trying to raise them, having that self-confidence and that self-image that hopefully is not um, based off of such superficial things as social media. Uh, I mean, this is is getting a little bit outside of your purview, but how do you do that? Because honestly, we got uh, there. We parents only have so many hours in the day that we actually influence our kids, but the peers and this un, and social media now is so much more than it ever was in the past. How do you start to unpack that? I mean, it's, this is this is a much bigger epidemic than uh, having the glossy magazines at the checkout counter at the supermarket. This is not tabloids. This is a constant barrage on people's lives. How do you start to combat that? Yeah, you know, I tell you, I have two children who, and I think the first start is that you don't get them on social media until they, until everybody is on it. So if you've got a middle school child, I mean, I know, I know my kids have friends who have been on social media for years and they're in middle school. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the place for them to be because automatically they're, they're going to start uh, comparing themselves to other people. Yeah. So trying to get them on it, you know, trying to, to prevent them from going on social media for as long as you can, I think is a big thing. And then the second thing is they will model a lot of stuff that we do. You know, I'm a plastic surgeon. I'm a holistic plastic surgeon. I am not a plastic surgery enthusiast. I think we should have the least amount done to make ourselves happy, but that's not necessarily everybody. I have patients of mine who are, who love the, you know, talking about plastic surgery and it's all, you know, getting these things done. To expose our kids to that, I think is unhealthy because we're automatically putting that into their heads of like, oh, mom or dad has all this stuff done, you know, mm. that's something that you should do too, you know, mm. or you should be unhappy with your appearance. 
You know, you and I both know that, man, when I was in my 20s, I didn't think I looked that great, but I looked so much better than I do now that I'm in my <laughs> 40s. Yeah. And, and you, I wish I appreciated it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you you look back and you think, oh, man, that uh, if only I had had the confidence that I would have now if <laughs> back then if I looked yeah. like that now. I hear you. If I only realized that I actually looked pretty good back then instead of thinking right. that I didn't. And, and a lot of it does start, I think, at home, and it starts with modeling that type of behavior, you know, to your children. Not to put too fine a point on it, but, you know, it, stop, if we as parents stop saying, like, ugh, I'm just, I feel so fat today, ugh, I don't, you know, and looking at your wrinkles in the mirror, and, like, the less we point it out in front of our kids to ourselves, even, the better that, uh, the better we're preparing our kids to avoid the kind of, uh, I mean, I don't want, it, maybe body dysmorphic disorder is a, is too big of a word for it, but the the stuff that's leading these kids to get plastic surgery when they really don't need it. Well, I think what's going on is that, you know, there's a, there's body dysmorphia, you know, small levels in so many of us, and it doesn't really rear its ugly head necessarily. But I do think that social media is is a pathway to allow what may be in, a other type, in another type of culture, it, the dysmorphia would never really show itself. But mm. now with the social media, maybe then it brings this out in people and makes it so much more intense. And that's where I do think that, once again, trying to limit the kids' exposure to it. When their brains are developing and they still don't have that great sense of self and they don't know who they are and, and they're trying to develop this own self-confidence, their own self-image, exposing them to all this stuff is, in my opinion, has got to be just you know, not healthy. So you have this really healthy approach to plastic surgery, obviously, because you, as you say, you want to try to figure out the least amount to make people feel confident uh, which hurts your bottom line, right? Which, uh, which makes me think you must have figured out some other, this idea of holistic plastic surgery that you mentioned before. How did you land in that place? And, and, and what do you do? Because you're, you're, you're opting for yeah. less expensive, less invasive procedures. So I did traditional training as a plastic surgeon. I did four years of medical school, three years of general surgery residency, two years of plastic surgery residency, and I did a cosmetic fellowship out in Beverly Hills. Right. So that's and, just for everybody who's keeping track. Yeah. You know, you were 30 before you got a paycheck that was above $10. Exactly. <laughs> and my early practice, I really ramped up to the point where at one point in my practice, I had, you know, a year waiting list. I was operating on people from all over the country, and I thought that I'd hit the pinnacle. And then Gib, I found, I, I met a patient who was in her late 50s, early 60s, and she gave me a story that I've heard so many times, said, look, I feel invisible. I ha I'm, I'm out with my friends. A mm. lot of them have had stuff done. I haven't. And people just aren't looking at me. And I feel in, like I'm invisible in society. Mm. So she said, look, I've got some, you know, the loose skin on my neck and this and that. Do you think I could have a facelift? So I looked at her and physically everything looked fine. Like it was, you know, she was a good candidate. So I brought her to surgery. I did a facelift three and a half hours. Everything went perfectly fine. And then as I'm driving myself back home, in my car, I get a page from the nurse, 911, patient is bleeding. And as a plastic surgeon, I know that when a patient bleeds from a facelift, it literally goes from zero to 60 in minutes. Right, because there's so many, so many blood vessels in the, in the, in the head. Exactly, and the thing we worry about is that you can bleed in your neck, and when that blood is, is confined to the neck and it keeps bleeding, you can literally suffocate from it. Jeez. So my worry is that's gonna happen, so I'm, I turn my car around, I floor it, and I'm weaving through traffic, get back to that hospital, I run up the stairs, run into her room, and I don't see my patient sitting there, I see somebody who resembles Jabba the Hutt. Her neck is so filled up with blood that it's probably gonna be minutes before 
basically she can't breathe. Mm. So I, I throw a pair of gloves on, not even sterile. I take a pair of scissors. I cut all the stitches out, and I take handfuls of blood under her neck, just pulling it out. Oh, my gosh. Literally at bedside with her husband watching. I bring her to the operating room. I stop the bleeding, lift everything up, and three weeks later, she looked fantastic, and she was so happy, and you could never tell that anything like this scary like this happened. Yeah, I'm terrified. But I don't know this woman. And by, it terrifies you just hearing about yeah. it. Yeah. And... But that, what that did was it got me into thinking like there's got to be a better way like this. Here I am. I'm at the pinnacle of my what I thought the pinnacle of my career and a patient of mine who was previously healthy who just wanted to not feel so invisible almost died. And I thought there's got to be something better than this. So I really spent a lot of time after that looking into stuff that I was never trained in during my training. You know, in my my book you mentioned earlier you know, I was trained by a lot of old school surgeons where the idea is to cut is to cure. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's the saying in surgery. That's old fashioned surgery to cut is to cure. The only way to heal is with cold steel. <laughs> and so that's what we were taught. <laughs> well, you guys seem like the, the fighter pilots of the of the medical world. <laughs> like, no, kick totally. the tires and light the fires. I don't know. And, and that's what we do. Like, we're like we get in, we do stuff. And I thought, you know, this there's got to be a better way. And so I really got into learning about nutrition and how a diet can really affect how the skin looks, how quickly you age, the microbiome, its effects mm. on our skin. Clean skin care, not this stuff that the doctors may be peddling that are filled with chemicals and, and other types of issues with that. And then the plethora of non-invasive and minimally invasive options. And so really that's this whole idea of holistic plastic surgery is becoming a holistic, a modern surgeon to where I use surgery only as a last resort. Mm. Now I operate three times a week. You know, I operate a lot, but uh, for every one person I operate on in my practice, I probably we probably have 40 or 50 patients in our practice who don't have surgery and they do other things like skincare, like mm. lasers and stuff like that. What are what are the brands or you know or what kind of chemicals should we be avoiding uh, you talked about in in the in the products that we use to clean ourselves? So in the in the uh, European Union, the EU, there are thousands of potentially dangerous chemicals that are banned for use in cosmetics and skincare. In the United States, it's like 12. And so there's so many out there. A couple of things just to be wary of. Uh, the first thing is with sunscreen. Watch out for oxybenzone and octinoxate. Oxybenzone and octinoxate. These are chemical sunscreens used in lots of sunscreens. And studies are showing that it's in the blood uh, of virtually everybody in the United States. It's in your blood. These are known as hormone disruptors. They can actually mimic hormones in your bloodstream, like estrogen. On top of that, we're finding now that they're also dangerous for the environment. They will actually destroy coral reefs, kill those, off coral those reefs. Those are the ones that are killing the coral reefs, huh? So in addition to killing coral reefs, they're actually bad for you because they mimic hormones in your in your body. So even before we heard about them doing this with coral reefs, they were something that we recommended people stay away from. So instead, go for zinc oxide, titanium dioxide, or avobenzone, okay? okay. As uh, not oxy, but avobenzone is known to be much safer. Those are better options. Uh, is, uh, is, so if it says reef safe, is, are those the kinds that we should be using? Yes. Yes. Um, do you have a favorite brand that I can link to in the show notes? Um, I do not necessarily. There are so many out there. Um, I have my own brand of skincare, but we don't have sunscreen just because we haven't gone through that FDA approval process. Makes sense. Like Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you uh, So this idea of holistic and, and approach, this non-surgical approach, I, I love it. I think that I think it's something that we as a society need to embrace. Is there a way to sort of embrace... 
I don't want to say growing older gracefully, but but sort of embrace the sort of the physical signs of aging in a way that keeps it without feeling unseen the way that woman, uh, the woman that, that came to you and had the a difficult surgery described it. Yes, definitely. Because there are so many things that you can do to see a visible change in, in how you look. And I think it really starts with being healthy. And so, so many of us don't realize, I mean, I see patients come into my office and within literally looking at their face for 30 seconds, Gib, I can tell what type of diet they have, whether they're a smoker, you know, that type of thing, literally by looking at their skin for 30 seconds. That's, that's incredible. So there are a few minor things that you can do. I mean, in the scheme of things, they're major what they can do. Um, but for example, reducing the amount of sugar you eat. You know, yeah. I tell my patients, sugar equals wrinkles because it increases inflammation in the body. And there are so many people who are addicted to carbs. Uh -huh. And you can see it in their face because the face quite often is red. It's inflamed. Uh, as we all know that eating a lot of carbs you know, can cause people to gain weight as well. So reducing the amount of, of sugar that you're eating, and if you're eating carbs, eating healthier carbs, you know, ones with more fiber, like mm. whole grains, that type of thing. So do you recommend the ketogenic diet? Not necessarily. I think the ketogenic diet works well for some people and for some people short term. I'm not a huge fan of it because any diet that says fruit isn't necessarily good for you makes no sense to me. Right, 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 right. And I understand why they say that, but man, fruit is filled with so many great skin-healthy antioxidants that I'm all for that. Now, I do like a lot of parts of the ketogenic diet. I think that it's good to eat good, healthy fats, mm -hmm. um, you know, and 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 trying to not overdo the protein. But once again, you know, I do think that we do need more carbs than in general than what the ketogenic diet Got recommends. It. Got it. Yeah. I understand that. I understand that. I mean, we we've had a lot of people on here talking about keto and. And, and its benefits. And it seems like there are some big benefits. But yes, the fruit part is something that, that puts a lot of people off because in order to be ketogenic, you really have to reduce the amount of, of fruit that you intake. And like you said, that's, that's just anathema to what we've been taught about the, the health benefits of fruit. I agree. And there's so much good in fruit. And yeah, I understand there's fructose and all of that, but mm -hmm. there's so much fiber and so many antioxidants and phytonutrients that it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, so, but once again, I think it does help some people, especially short term to lose weight. I think also for people who have more neurologic issues, they do use a ketogenic diet, as you probably know, and people who have epilepsy. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you've got, let's say, early Alzheimer's, if you've got stuff like that, some more brain related issues, their belief is that by giving good, healthy fats to the brain, you can help power the brain better. Um, so I think there's definitely, you know, positives to it. I'm more of a fan of more of a modified paleo type of diet where you reduce the carbs but, and the carbs you eat are very carefully chosen, mm -hmm. um, but not being quite so restrictive on it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So, so diet, using the right skincare products, you, using the right diet, uh, are, are two great ways. What, uh, what is the, what is the world's cheapest plastic surgery? In other words, what Instagram filter should we be using? <laughs> the one you should be using, uh, there's a number of them, actually. Uh, Hefe, I think, is a, a reasonable one. Um, but there's a lot of great fill. And, and, you know, we did a study on them. And the issue that we found was that none of them really worked well for everybody. And the age of the person really made a difference. And so certain filters did better for certain types of skin. Certain filters did better for certain ages, age groups. So in general, what I recommend is, yeah, we've, we had these ideas that this one did a bit better than another. But in the end, you want to really try all the different filters because what works well for you may not work well for somebody else. But you're, you, you're leaning into Hefe as sort of like the starting yeah. point? 
But my favorite is probably Juno. Juno was the one that ended up totally on top. Uh, and that's because it helps to lighten the picture. It increases a little more the contrast and makes the picture pop more. Got it. So if I had to pick one, I mean, Hefe is decent, but Juno is the best. When you look at anti-aging, Reyes was the one that's, that was on top. Wow. And, but that one, that one is used as the most anti-aging because it washes the picture out a bit. So yeah. if you've got wrinkles, it can wash the wrinkles out, but it doesn't give you that pop necessarily that you would get from Juno. Wow. I mean, that is, I, I, I can't, I, that was 30 seconds of you talking about Instagram filters and that's about as much as I can take. I do not know how you did a whole study on that. That's incredible. <laughs> the thing is, Instagram is so huge in plastic surgery right now. You know, I've got a, you know, a yeah. lot of people follow me on that. I get, I, every day I have a patient tell me they, they see me on Instagram. So people, it's funny because back in the day, the way that people would get their word out would be via yellow pages. Right. And then it became websites and before and afters. And now it's social media. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where patients are learning about plastic surgery. Sure. And that's where, that's, I mean, honestly, that's where our self-esteem gets the lowest. You know, yeah. we're, we're, you're scrolling through, you're scrolling through Instagram and you see people who are better looking than you or who are doing and living the, the way that you want to live. It's an aspirational thing. And I understand why people do it, why quote unquote influencers do it. But it leaves a lot of us, myself included, the, and, and there's been a lot of research showing this, the more time we're spending on social media, the more disappointed and, and disaffected we are with our own lives, which would lead me to believe that that's when the search for a plastic surgeon would begin. <laughs> so you should probably be there to, to pick it up. Well, I mean, it, there are studies that say that have proven exactly what you're saying yeah. is that the more people look on social media and the more they take selfies, the more they take pictures of themselves. And, and even the more that you use filters on yourself, the lower the self-esteem. That's that's wild. So that's hence really trying hard. to protect our kids from it for as long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that may. And, you know, the irony is all of these uh, Silicon Valley titans. They don't let their kids have these phones. They don't let their kids go on the social media thing. You know, Steve Jobs did not let his kids have have iPhones. Just just a reminder to everybody as we debate whether or not we're depriving our children by not giving them a Twitter account. And it's all scientifically created to, you know, to reward certain behaviors so that people become addicted to it, yeah. you know, and, and that's really what it comes down. And it's hard. I think, you know, my my kids, they're on their phones and stuff, too, mm -hmm. but we don't have them on social media. Right. But we know that it's a challenge for them just to put this, the, the phone down. It's a challenge for us as adults to put the phone down. Uh-huh. You know, 100 percent. A hundred percent. It's true. How can we expect our kids to be able to do it if we can't do it ourselves? Look, I always say this. I'm the biggest hypocrite talking about this stuff because my phone is an extension of my body. Like I, it, yeah. it, it's a, it's more important to me than my appendix. And there's no <laughs> chance it's going to blow up and kill me in the middle of the night. So there's, I have that going for me. Um, you talked a little. You talk about this idea of holistic plastic surgery, and then I, and I really love your take on how to try to treat people differently than just you know, heal with the steel or uh, what is it? What are the, what are your other efforts? To, to cut is to cure. To cut is to cure. These are ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, what do you feel like was missing in your training as a doctor that you wish other doctors would know? Because I feel like people are just going to keep going down the line of, once you get it in your head that I want, like I, I need to have a nose job. I'm going to keep going down the line until I find the plastic surgeon, plastic surgeon that is skilled enough to make me feel comfortable and unscrupulous enough to do a surgery that I may or may not need. Yeah, so the subtitle of my book is The Evolution of a Modern Surgeon. And that's kind of this whole idea is getting trained by doctors where their motto is 
to cut is to cure, you know, right. to heal with cold steel. And, um, and I think, you know, part of it and this whole also, it really also comes with this whole Dr. God mentality where doctors are so used to, especially surgeons used to saying, hey, do this, you know, and, and really bossing people around. Mm. So it really starts, you know, the, all of that kind of what you're talking about starts early on because when we are early on in our training, we are beat down. And so as interns, when we're early in training, we work ungodly hours and the doctors beat us down basically uh, to a pulp where we don't feel good about ourselves. And so there are certain doctors that will exit through that training and get to the upper levels of training. And they say, you know what, I'm going to treat the doctors, the young docs, just the way I was treated. And they basically treat them like garbage, making them bitter people. And then eventually when they get to that point, they turn the same way. And mm -hmm. that's where you have surgeons these kind of old-fashioned surgeons who don't treat people well, they think they're God, and the same type of idea, you get somebody coming to see you, and it's like, well, I know the best, I'm gonna tell you what you should do. Right. So a roundabout way to answer your question, what we don't learn in this all of this training is that maybe surgery isn't the right way to go. Mm. And what, what I didn't learn anything in my training is anything really about nutrition, very little about skincare. I finished you know, six years of postgraduate training as a board certified plastic surgeon, and I didn't know jack about how to take care of the skin. I knew mm. how to operate, I knew how to put breast implants in, I knew how to do a facelift, but if you said, hey, Dr. Yoon, what do you think about exfoliating two or three times a week with this or with that? I had right. no idea, okay? But doctors, a lot of times surgeons aren't willing to admit that they don't know. Right. They say, well, I've got an MD, so I know better than, let's say, a chiropractor who may have spent the last five years studying nutrition. I'm an MD, I know better than that person. Right. Well, that's not necessarily true. And, and that's this whole idea of a modern holistic surgeon is one that is enlightened to the fact that, you know what, there's stuff that I don't know, and even though I have an MD after my name, doesn't mean that I know, I know better than, you know, once again, a chiropractor or a mm -hmm. DO who has spent years studying this and learning this, you know, just because I have an MD doesn't make me, doesn't make me God. You know, you're not the first MD I've interviewed who has mentioned specifically the lack of nutritional education in their, in their training. Um, and, and it seems, it seems wild, but, but it's true. Like the, you know, the, the, everybody I've talked to who has gone through it just says, we learn how the systems work, but not, and we learn what medications to prescribe but not how to uh, not how to how to feed the body what it needs from its food. Exactly, and we're really looking at it traditionally as a treating the symptom versus tackling the root cause mm. of illness. So yeah, you know, you've got your potassium's low. We'll give you you know we'll give you a supplement to bring your potassium up. You know, you have a heart attack, then we'll you know we'll treat your heart to get you know to to open up those blood right. vessels or right. stent around it. But it's never like, huh? Why did you have the heart attack in the first place? It's not a lack of medication that caused you to have a heart attack. It's because you're eating a, a terrible diet. You're not exercising. You're exposing yourself to mm -hmm. all of these environmental toxins and exposures. That's where we really have to get down to. But unfortunately, there's no money in that, you know, <laughs> and, and, and healthcare doesn't pay doctors to really delve into those types of things of what's going on with people, you yeah. know. Instead, it's easier just to prescribe a medication than it is to say, so what did you have for dinner last night? Right. Oh, and, and again, you guys are paid, you guys are paid for the procedure. I mean, that's the way billing works. So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm, I'm more amazed and impressed that you have decided to do fewer procedures and focus more on holistic medicine than I am 
that the system is set up the way that it is. Because the doctors are, most physicians are de-incentivized to have the kind of harder conversation that you're having and to have the bigger, broader discussion about how we treat ourselves uh, as opposed to what treatment we can get for ourselves. Yeah, and what I've done that I think has really made a huge difference is by expanding, by doing things like your podcast, the radio show. You know, I have a YouTube channel. I have my own podcast, the Holistic Plastic Surgery Show. You know, I can see 30 people in my office a day and try to affect 30 people's lives that way. Or I can put this information out there uh, through the Internet, through media, and affect thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. And and that's where I really feel called to. And yeah, I still operate three times a week. We see tons of patients here. Um, but at the same time, where I think that I'm making the, the biggest um, impact is by being on your podcast mm-hmm. and by sharing this information so that people can get enlightened and then become their own advocate for their health and say, you know what, I'm, I've been on this medication for the last five years. I feel like my health is declining. Maybe I should talk to my doctor about what can I do short of adding another medication right. to help improve right. my life. Right. Yeah, that's the other thing is you 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 sort we sort of become numb to just the volume of pills that we start to take, and at a certain point, people are just like, I I don't even care if it makes me feel better. I don't want another thing in my regimen. Yeah, and plastic surgery is the same way. It's like I get people who come in, they I want my facelift, and you look at their skin. Their skin looks terrible. They're not taking care of themselves, but they figure a facelift is the answer to their issues, you know. And and that's where it really does take the time to sit down, and talk with them, say, you know what, maybe you should. Take that money, use some skincare products, try to change your diet, you know. <laughs> but it's a lot easier to say, hey, I want a facelift and that'll make me look 10 years younger. It, you know, it, it's, it's not the same. It is like, because right now everybody on social media is posting about like how important it is to drink a bunch of water. We, we agree. I've, we've talked about it on the show. But all of a sudden it's trendy to, to really be worried about your hydration. Uh, is that an overcorrection or is that exactly the kind of thing that we need to be spending our time and attention doing? Is like, is that like one of those number one things we could do? I mean, I think that's a good thing. I don't think we drink enough water as it is. Is that the be all end all? <laughs> Not really. I would rather people spend more time saying, why do we drink so much soda pop? Yeah. You know, instead, you know, so instead of saying drink more water, maybe trade the soda pop for the water. Well, our stomachs can only hold so much. Yeah. But, so, you but know, the, by drinking an extra glass of water, that's there's just a little bit of space that we're, get, we're that we're not leaving for for the Coke. Yeah. But I would definitely rather just, you know, if there, if people drink so much soda pop a day. Yeah. Just start by, you know, by switching one can for for water and right. gradually work your way. You know, it's you don't have to, to change everything all at once. Is it the sugar or the carbonation? The sugar. More no than questions. The, the sugar. OK. So like yeah. if, I mean, if, the car- carbonation can make you feel bloated. Um, so, you know, if you want to look like you've got a flat tummy, then that's one thing, but it really is more the sugar. I know a lot of people that have given up soda by switching to soda water. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, are they, are they, is that, is that a worthwhile substitution? In general? Yes. Now there are some people who believe that with it being carbonated and all that, that it could have an impact on your teeth. And I'm not a dentist, so I can't really um, comment on that. Uh, but definitely, Switching from soda pop to a carbonated drink like a LaCroix type stuff, no question that's a that's a direct a, a step in the right direction. Um, but now we're finding that it's really popular to to add alcohol to those drinks. So yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily a great thing. I mean, uh, some people see, see LaCroix and they don't see a drink; they see a mixer. So exactly. I, I, I well, think and it you can, it. 
And you can get those now. They're super popular. The alcoholic seltzer waters now are getting super, super popular. Yeah, White Claw and, and exactly. tru- Truly. Yep, yep. So those are getting super popular now. But, you know, I, in the end, I, what I recommend, instead of trying to get that, maybe the good thing is, I mean, if you really want that carbonation and you want, um, you know, something that's lighter, maybe better to dilute down some like rosé and maybe add some regular seltzer to rosé. Hmm. That's a way you can get that carbonation. You can get a little bit of alcohol in it, but you can also get some great antioxidants, which are great for your skin uh, from that wine. It, now, it, I hear you talking about the negative side of alcohol. Are you? Are you? Do you see that alcohol is a big uh, contributing contributor to aging? I think it is. I don't think that it's as much as, as sugar. Hmm. Uh, and uh, and usually the people who drink a lot of alcohol are doing a lot of other things. You know, diet usually isn't great. Mm-hmm. So in general, yeah, I mean, it is a toxin. It does dry out your skin. I do recommend, however, for people who tolerate it fine, a glass of red wine a day. Um, the resveratrol, the antioxidants are great for the skin and overall great for the health. So if you're going to drink, red wine is the thing to drink? Definitely, because red wine is definitely better for you than white. And ideally, if you can get an, an organic wine, um, I, I'm a fan of one called Dry Farm Wines. They basically lab oh, test yeah, their wines. Oh, yeah, I've seen those, yeah. Those are the ones yeah, that they, are low glycemic. It, yeah, and they lab test it. It's low glycemic, low sugar. Um, they make sure there's no additives. And they claim, and so far what I've seen is true, that it's hangover-free uh, because it's also a little bit lower in alcohol, too. Well, so hangover-free means fun-free. I'll put a link to uh, <laughs> Dry Farm Wines in the show notes so you guys can check that out for yourself. What are you noticing? And we're going to, I'll let you go pretty soon here. Uh, Dr. Yun, I just, uh, what are you noticing in terms of, uh, are you, are you noticing a difference in procedures since, since the selfie culture started? I know we talked about the frequency, but are you seeing a difference in the types of procedures that people are getting? Uh, you mentioned the Kardashian yeah. ones before. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all about the fillers nowadays. It's all about plumping up the lips. It's all about reshaping the cheeks. But the problem and the thing people really need to realize and your listeners need to realize with fillers Botox, you have Botox, and the worst thing that can happen, you get a droopy eyelid or something, and then that goes away. Injectable fillers, if that's done inappropriately, or if it's botched, then you can lose parts of your nose, you can lose parts of your lip. People have even gone blind from injections of filler. So that's something you have to take extremely seriously. So two things I recommend. If you're having injections of filler done, make sure that they ideally use a cannula, which is a blunt needle, so it's a less risk of, of that filler getting accidentally injected into a blood vessel. That's oh, why gosh. this happens. And make sure you use one that's made of hyaluronic acid. Don't use a permanent filler like silicone. Look for one made of hyaluronic acid. Typically, Restylane and Juvederm are the two big brands uh, because they are reversible. And if something bad happens, you can inject uh, a substance that will that's an antidote that will reverse it. So cannula and hyaluronic acid fillers be very careful with it. Yikes! All right, uh, I I don't I am not squeamish. Like I I I was pre med for a while and and I had oh, no I... problem watching surgery videos. But there's something about when you're talking about this stuff, particularly like the face stuff, that really is getting to me in this conversation. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <sighs> just yeah, yeah, the idea of like accidentally injecting silicon uh, into somebody's blood vessel. Like I'm just like ugh. That's bad, bad stuff. And the other thing that's really popular via social media right now is the Brazilian butt lift, and that's injections of fat (laughs) into the butt to make it bigger. And you laugh, but it has the highest mortality rate in all of plastic surgery. One out of there, there was a study that showed that one out of three thousand people who undergo this operation will die from it. Is it because of the volume of injectable required to make a difference in that region? 
that's part of it. But what we think is that the veins and the buttocks are so big that even if you're not injecting the fat right into the vein, if you're injecting it next to it, little micro tears in that vein can cause the, the fat to go into the bloodstream. And I described it, it's like, it's like the Death Star in Star Wars. That little bit of fat can go into the right spot, which is in your lungs, and can cause somebody to die within minutes. And that's happening all around the country with this operation. I can't believe you just compared that to Star Wars, to the little <laughs> vent on the, the exhaust vent on the Death Star. That's what it is, and it's scary because it's called a fat embolism. So just be wary. This is I have something called the Holistic Beauty Blacklist on my website, and uh, and what I do is I list all these procedures that are being commonly done nowadays that as a holistic plastic surgeon I do not recommend because they're dangerous or they don't work or both. I'll put a link to the blacklist uh, in, in the show notes so you guys you guys can see what that is. What uh, one last question before I before I do my yeah. final little thing here. Uh, what what are the things that people should be looking for when they're deciding on a plastic surgeon, if they, do, if they go that route? Yeah, the first thing is you, and the most important thing is make sure you're actually seeing a real plastic surgeon. Plastic surgery is a wild west of medicine, and there's so many doctors who are doing procedures that they shouldn't. Mm. So make sure they're certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. And then number two thing is to make sure that that doctor is a modern surgeon, somebody who does adhere to these holistic principles, that they're not just going to bring it back to surgery at a whim. Yeah. You know, how really you, want to sit down and talk do with them. How you know that? Well, I think it really comes down to talking with them and saying, well, what are my options? Why does, it work, why does it work this way? If the surgeon is in a hurry, if they're not willing to listen to you, if they, you know, kind of dismiss your concerns or your, or your um, comments, then you've got to figure that this is not a modern surgeon. This is some old-fashioned doctor that, you know, may not be the best person for me to see. Is, is can you start a certifying agency so that we can you know, <laughs> people can know where to go? Like you and approved? No, I'm sure there's some law against that. But uh, so two steps, you know, the American side or the, the if American good housekeeping can do, if then, good yeah. housekeeping can do it, you can. <laughs> it's a good thought. I'll have to think about yeah. that one. Yeah, talk to your lawyer and get back to us. <laughs> Uh, the book is Playing God, a uh, link to where to buy it in the show notes. Our guest, Dr. Anthony Yoon, thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you two things. One is where can people follow up with you? Yeah, my website is dryoon.com. And for anybody who goes there, we have a free ebook, What to Eat to Look Younger. So if you're wondering what to eat to look younger, and a second one, 10 Things Every Plastic Surgery Patient Must Know. You just put your email there, we'll send it to you for free. There you go. So link to that website in the show notes. And one final thing, and I ask it to everybody, what is something we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? Uh, I think showing gratitude and being happy Man. with the fact that you're alive and that uh, the sun is up. And uh, that really is. I mean, I think in the end, we can talk about all these kind of superficial things. But in the end, man, it's a good time to be alive. So just show gratitude. And, and a lot of times your health can even improve from just that. If I had a chart, and I really should do this, but I'm, uh, I guess it's just sheer laziness where I didn't think about it in time, of what uh, my guest responses have been uh, for that question. Gratitude has to be the most common response. It's, really? it's unbelievable. And, and, it's, and it's really true. And the research supports it. So, you know, uh, you're absolutely right. So I think uh, we've, we, in fact, we've had like three different people who have designed d journals specifically to make you focus on things you're grateful for uh, on, on a daily basis, at least twice a day. So, well, then number two would be don't eat so much sugar. Well, no, no, we, we went with gratitude. You can't just, you can't call an audible because it's, it's popular. I was supporting you saying that, that a lot of people agree, but great. I'm grateful that I don't eat a lot of sugar. How about that? That's all good. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. Thank you. 
Awesome, man. Okay, so I I left I left the message at the office, <laughs> and I, I I got I got an appointment two years from Sunday. <laughs> you can uh, in the meantime. You can but you just... know what he's gonna do? He's gonna look at me, and he's gonna say, "Ah, you got a horse head. There's not no. much we can do about that." <laughs> you know, you're, ah, you you too. You you. you, you I understand the junior high version of you when you weighed 90 pounds. Wait, I could see wait, why you'd be top wait, wait. heavy. I, I know you're thinking about the music and you want to I end am. on the music. I'll, I'll start it over. There we go. Okay, so anyway, um, when, I was in, when I was in France, they, they, I would walk into a, a, a cafe when I was doing the Tour de France. And I'm no lie, they'd go, uh, oh, uh, uh, whatever they say. Hello with that. I don't know. Bonjour. Bonjour, thanks. Uh, et tete norme. <laughs> Tati Norm, enormous head. So look, they, I, they, they already had. Me. I came in and they already had my nickname ready for and they, me. And they and they already knew how to get into. No, it's the, La Chien. <laughs> uh, and what, what's the name for a horse? <laughs> I'll start the music over again. <laughs> but my point Go is, ahead. You grew into it, and it works for television. Right. You had a yeah. very successful right. career right. on television right. Right. because of the shape of your head and body. Yeah. Yeah. So just just own that. Sometimes in person, it's a you know Dustin Hoffman's very short in person, okay. but it works okay. on camera. Okay, but listen to this. Listen. To <laughs> this. So there's a there was a Newsweek article on, on it's around here. So it's framed at the office. Uh, a quote from David Letterman, who was asked about me or something about entertainment tonight. He said John Tesh should not be on television. He screws up the aspect ratio of the he, TV. You're going to take my head again. You're going to take looks uh, criticism from David Letterman. Let me start the music. He, again. he looks like Santa Claus with an eating disorder. Oh, now. Okay, right. you know he, he he is what he. Okay, very here's, funny here's, guy. Here's the music. That's it for our show today. We hope you enjoyed this little. Thing with uh, Whatever the heck John's that was. self-esteem. Uh, if you like this show, I don't. I don't know why at this point. Please rate, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, it helps us out a lot. Uh, please share it with a friend. If each and every one of you shared this with one friend, it would quite literally double our listenership, and that would help us out immensely. Sound like soupy sales. Just get them to send in a dollar bill yeah. too. Yeah, just go ahead and reach into your mom's purse and send me a dollar bill. That'd be great. Um, uh, you can follow up with us on social media. John is uh, facebook.com slash John Tesh. We spend the most time there. We go live. We post videos. We get into the comments, try to respond to everything there. John is also on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL and on Twitter at John Tesh. I am Gib Gerard, facebook.com slash Gib Gerard and at Gib Gerard on Instagram on Twitter. Uh, I try to respond to every comment that you guys put out there, public or DM, and, and take any advice that you guys have for guests that you guys want on the show because it makes a big difference if you guys are invested in it. Uh, And more than anything else, guys, we appreciate you listening because we do this show for you, so your say is exactly why we try to... uh, It's exactly... It's what's going to make this show better Um, because, again, you're just making that music so much louder. (laughs) Did you finish? I did. Did you have one more thing you wanted to say? No, that was it. Oh, okay. okay.